Namaste. I'm Reverend Wendy Craig Purcell here at the Unity Center in beautiful San Diego. Thank you so much for subscribing to this channel. Please make sure that you like the video you've just watched and consider making a contribution on our app or on our website. It's really easy to do. And thank you in advance for that support. It does make a difference. You know, so much of our spiritual path and journey would be easier, would be easier if we would turn to spirit first, if we would get still, if we would open up, and if we would listen. And so today, as I said a moment ago, we are continuing in a series about partnership with spirit, or if you prefer the word God, use either one of them or whatever works for you. But partnering with spirit, partnering with God specifically today, looking at a partnership in the realm of guidance. You know, years ago, and I think it's true today, I know it's true today, the use of consultants in business is a very sound practice. We look for someone or an organization that can really guide us to be able to do our work in the world better. And over the course of many years of ministering in this church, we have used professional consultants from time to time. And they have guided us and helped us. They haven't always told us things that were easy to take in, haven't always told us things that were easy to do. But sure enough, being able to rely on someone with an, a perspective and with knowledge and skill that was beyond what we had at that moment, listening to it, opening up to it, and being willing to apply it, always seemed to put us in a better position. Years ago, there was um, a, an executive that worked for GE. His name was Charles Steinmetz. And he retired from GE, but GE called him back because they were having a problem with a very expensive and very large piece of equipment that was malfunctioning. And nobody on the, the staff seemed to be able to figure out what the problem was, so they brought Charles in to identify the problem. And after researching and looking at it very carefully, he determined what the problem was, that there was a part that wasn't working properly, and he took a piece of chalk and put a big X on that particular part of the, the machine that wasn't working. And then he submitted his bill to GE. Now, he was working as a consultant for them. He submitted his bill, $10,000. And they were, in today's figures, that's probably not a lot for a consultant, but then it was. And they resented and resisted $10,000. Why? Give us an itemization of your charges. And he wrote back and he said, $1 chalk mark. $9,999 for knowing where to put it. That's intelligence. That's guidance on the human level. That's knowledge specific to the problem or the opportunity at hand. What would it be like if each of us had at our disposal, had access to a truly wise consultant a consultant that was always ethical, that always had the highest and best in mind, what would we have to pay for that? What would we have to pay for that? We'd have to pay attention. 
We'd have to pay attention. And you know where this is going. We do have that. You have that. The person next to you has that. Your siblings have it. Your boss has it. Your employees have it. Even your ex has it. And it's called divine guidance. It's called spirit. And what we want to do is learn better how to partner with spirit, how to partner with God for that guidance, to have the courage to do so, to not have it be the very last thing we do. But if not the first thing we do, pretty high up on that list, to seek for guidance. We'd have to pay attention, though. Have to pay attention. There was a man who loved horse racing. And he decided that he was going to bet. His favorite number was three. It was the third week of the races, and he had a hunch. Third week of the races. The third day of the week. There was a horse running in the third race of the third day of the third week named the Triple Crown. His favorite number three. He bet everything on the horse to win. Came in third. <laughs> Didn't pay attention. Didn't pay attention to quite the right thing. To quite the right thing. I know in unity there is a wide range of how people view, or even use, I should say, the Bible. And periodically throughout the years, I do different series based on a mystical and metaphysical understanding of the Bible. I've taught classes on the Bible. I happen to like the mysticism and metaphysics of the Bible, but I don't take the Bible literally. You have to understand the Bible in its context. You have to understand so much about the idioms and the culture and the, the translations. And I could go on and on and on. And that's why there are Bible classes for that. But the Bible chronicles, one way of looking at the Bible is it chronicles man's relationship, woman's relationship with their understanding of God. And one of the things that is said to be true of the Old Testament is that it is really a revelation of man's relationship to God and the fact that when man or woman seemed to be obedient, that's not a word most of us like in unity, but it meant to be in alignment with, when man was obedient to or in alignment with spirit, with God, things worked out well. But when man was not in obedience or not in alignment with God, with spirit, with the will of spirit, things would fall apart. Sometimes I think people think that God only speaks to certain kinds of people or God only spoke in those days long ago. And I couldn't disagree with that more. God or spirit, by whatever name you call that presence, really is always speaking or always sending a message, because speaking, if you're taking it literally, is, would be very limiting. It's not that, that God always speaks in a language that sounds like our language, but I know that God, that spirit, is available to us in that still, small voice, often in that feeling that we have, 
of go this way, not that, or say yes to this, or wait for that, or here's an open door, or here's an unexpected opportunity. Step forward and trust. So a significant part of our teaching and our practice in unity is listening for and listening to that still small voice. And those two prepositions are different and they're very important. Listening for that still small voice means that we are actively seeking it. It means that when we have a question, it means that when we're dealing with a problem or an opportunity or something that we're not certain about, that we seek beyond our own intellect into the realm of divine wisdom, into the realm of divine guidance. It means that we realize we're not going to try to think our way through it all on our own, that we seek first for that still small voice. But it's not enough. It's not enough just to seek for it. We could have hired consultants over the years, sought their guidance, gotten their guidance, and then what? Not done anything with it, right? So it's a both and. It requires the active participation on our part to seek for it, to ask, to be open. And I'll share some ideas on how we do that and what stands in the way. But then to also actively engage engage in doing it. So what are some of the challenges that we have? I think there are four that are pretty common, or actually three, I eliminated a combined some, three that I want to share with you that are pretty common. The first one is this, we just don't recognize God's voice. We don't recognize spirit's voice, perhaps because we're thinking that it's going to sound like a human voice. Sometimes it could, but not always, not always. When a person calls you on the telephone and you're not looking at caller ID, if you recognize that person's voice and you know who it is, you recognize that voice and you know who it is, why? Because you have a relationship with them. Because you have connected with them before and you have listened to them before. So there is a recognition that you have that is developed over the relationship that you've had with them. This is why our prayer work, our meditation work is so important. It is why paying attention and getting better at being able to recognize what that still small voice sounds like or feels like for you. And sometimes the only way you know for sure is by testing it out by trial and error, and they go, oh, wow, that worked really well. I'm going to pay attention to that kind of nuance or that kind of feeling or that sense that I get. There was an older man who had stopped on the side of the road to help a priest that he noticed was standing stranded outside of his car. And the older man offered to help but said to him, you're the last person in the world I would have expected to be stuck out here without any help, I thought for sure the guy upstairs would be helping you. To which the priest said, he did. He sent me you. You know, sometimes we, we put these very narrow understandings 
around how spirit responds to us. Yes, sometimes it could be a loud, booming voice. Sometimes it's a bumper sticker right in front of you at the critical moment in your life that says something like, don't fear. Personal story, don't time to go into it. But those messages, a book that you open to and the line is right there and it's, ah, that was exactly what I needed. These are some of the nuanced ways that I believe spirit speaks to each and every one of us. Second problem we have is we get it, we hear it, or we recognize a bumper sticker, or somehow we just know, oh yeah, that's guidance, but we don't like it. God, not that. Not that. I don't, I don't like it. We're praying for peace and happiness. And we have this feeling, you know, I really should forgive my parents. I really need to forgive my ex. I, go, no, I don't want to do that. That's too big. That's, that's too big. They hurt me too, too much. We pray. We get a hunch, a feeling, a sense, but we don't like it and we start arguing with it. It's like the botanist who is out collecting flower samples along a rather steep edge of a cliff. And as he was leaning over to, to grab hold of a really special sample, he lost his footing. And he started to fall. It was a pretty steep cliff and he was fortunate enough to grab hold of a branch of a tree, and he's holding onto this branch of a tree, realizing just how far he could fall if he can't kind of get back up or, or save himself, and he's dangling. But what he can't see is right beneath him, just below his feet, but out of his sight, is a little pathway, but he can't see it. All he's aware of is he's holding tightly onto this, this branch, and there's a sheer drop. And he shouts out in desperation, as many of us have in our own difficult places in our lives, shouting out either out loud or, or deep inside of ourselves, God help me. And all of a sudden a voice looms out of the clouds, let go. What? Let go. What? Let go and trust me. Are you God? Yes, let go. Is there anybody else up there? It's that kind of thing. And maybe I'm only talking to myself. But I rather suspect there might be one or two of you that are eavesdropping on the conversation I'm having with myself and nodding and saying, yeah, there are times in my life that I've been earnest in my prayer, really seeking guidance, and I seem to get at least a piece of it but it's bigger than what I think I can say yes to, or I don't have all of the answers to it, or it seems a little bit scary. And I go, okay, anybody else up there? Could you just tell me something different? Do I really have to do that? And another thing, the last thing I'll share that gets in our way sometimes is our impatience. You know, we pray for guidance and we want it when? 
now. If we're patient, we want it now. If we're not, we want it yesterday. You know, we want it, we want it now. And sometimes we get it now, but not always. Sometimes we have to, it seems to me, sometimes we have to kind of grow into it, you know? Maybe other things in and around us have to happen first before we get the guidance of this is the next step. Sometimes we don't get all of it at once if we get even just a tiny bit of it. But we have to watch some of these things in ourselves, I think. Our tendency to to be impatient, our lack of recognition of the ways in which spirit seems to communicate with us or speak to us or, or let us know, or, or our resistance to, but I don't really want that to be the answer. I want a different answer. And this is where I think the practice of surrender, not giving up, but yielding into the divine, is a really advanced practice on the spiritual path, but a really powerful one, and one that I think we grow into over time. So I told you I would share a few little guidelines as well as to how to do this if you don't feel like it's working well enough in your life. Because I I truly do believe, I don't believe, I know for every single one of us, we have access to this kind of divine guidance and wisdom. And if we don't feel we're receiving it, it's not because it's not available to it to us. It's because there's something either we don't know how, or we have just never sought it and made it a practice, or there's something standing in us in the way. So here's a bit of a very simple way to approach it. The first is this. When you're at a place in your life where you're really wanting guidance beyond just your own best thinking on what to do or not do, ask sincerely. Sit in the quiet, sit in stillness, and ask sincerely. Ask sincerely. It sounds very simple, doesn't it? But ask sincerely and ask expecting that you will get an answer. It may not be the answer you were looking for. It may not be the answer that you immediately go, oh, Thank you, that's exactly what I was hoping it was. But ask sincerely, expecting an answer. Some of you will recognize this name, Unity Minister, who's no longer with us, but was one of the strongest, most loved Unity Ministers in our movement, a Reverend Jack Boland. And he made a practice. He totally transformed his life with these teachings. He had been a very, very heavy drinker for many years, literally on Skid Row, and found spirit and God through sobriety and found unity through sobriety and built one of the most successful unity ministers in our entire movement. And he would have a practice whenever he was seeking guidance. And I remember him sharing this once, and I've never, ever forgotten it. When he was seeking guidance, Number one, he always asked for what he wanted, the guidance that he wanted or or needed. But it wasn't enough just to ask. He would write it on a piece of paper. And he would keep that piece of paper in his pocket, fully expecting that eventually he would get an answer, whether the answer came through the mouth of another person who didn't even know they were the mouthpiece for his guidance that he needed, 
or whether it was a line in a book that he happened to be reading, or whether it was a flash of the still small voice in his mind and his heart. But he would ask sincerely and he would take his question that he was seeking guidance on and put it on a piece of paper and keep it in his pocket every single day until he had his answer. The second part of the practice is this. It is a willingness, not a willfulness, but a willingness to let go of the outcome. And sometimes that requires a big, deep breath. At least I know it does for me. The willingness to let go of the outcome. That it may not be what I had hoped it would be. It may not be what I hoped it would be. It may be very different. But if I'm willing to let go of the outcome, I open the path for greater growth. I open the path actually for greater opportunity. I'm essentially saying, spirit, this or something better, and I trust you. And I don't mean a god up in the sky, but I mean the god I talked to you about last week when I gave you four very specific aspects of my definition of God. You'll have to go back to the lesson to listen to that whole piece if you want but the willingness to let go of the outcome. And one of the things that I try to make as a practice for myself is to challenge myself and say, and Wendy, are you willing to to trust and to pray for the highest good? The highest good, not just what you think that may be, but the absolute highest good. The third is to keep alert, because God doesn't always speak, or spirit doesn't always speak, during our prayer time. At least that's true for me. Sometimes I get it in prayer and meditation. Sometimes I wake up with it in the, in, in the morning or the middle of the night. And I just know that I know. And you may ask, well, how does she know that she knows? Because I've practiced for many years. I've practiced by seeking and by asking, by trusting whatever seemed to be my guidance and seeing where it led me and letting the results prove to me whether I was paying attention and identifying that still small voice in the right way. So it requires us being alert. I remember Deepak Chopra saying, even before he was Deepak, when everybody had to call him by his first and his last name because he wasn't that, that known, I remember, I remember Deepak saying that you know we have this tremendous intelligence within us that Our body is just infused. All of our cells are imbued with intelligence, not just our brain cells, but our heart cells and our gut cells. And I remember him going on in a talk, talking about it, and him saying, and it just, something like this, it just could be that your gut cells are far more right most of the time than your brain cells because they haven't evolved to the point of doubt fear, and suspicion. I thought, wow. And he went on ways that I don't know how to do and talked about some of the science behind all that. But to me, that's God. To me, that's spirit. That's not Wendy thinking through and figuring it out. It's something way bigger and more mysterious 
than anything I can claim as my own. To me, long ago, it stopped mattering what I or anybody calls this mystery. I know some people have a problem or challenge with the word God or spirit. All I can say is get over that. <laughs> Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. There is some mystery. There's something that you do have access to. You really do. And it's not, it's not denied you. You don't, it's not, you don't have more of it. You may be open to it more than others, but you don't, you don't have the right to a better channel. We all have access to the same source, if you will. It's, do we cultivate it? Do we not have it be the last thing we go to, but one of the first things, if not the first? And then finally, I would say this. If you don't get any clear guidance, here's my suggestion. If you don't get any clear guidance, then vigorously pursue all options before you in this way. Ask God to open wide the doors along the higher option and to close tightly the doors along the option for the lesser. So if you're just not sure then pursue the paths before you as vigorously as you can, but with the mindset, the heart set, and the consciousness that says, God, open the doors wide for that which is higher and best for me and all concerned, and close tightly the doors that are not that. I'll close with one of my favorite aspira aspirations, one of my favorite affirmations. God, speak to me in ways I cannot possibly ignore. God, speak to me in ways I cannot possibly ignore. Namaste.